The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Monday, July 24th. I am Frank Sample, joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, Corey Seager is hurt. Unfortunately, we're going to talk about some replacements. Sal Freelich was promoted by the Brewers. Waiver Wire adds the drop meter and much more. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. Let's jump in. That ball had a family! That ball had a family, Chris. You are <laughs> up. Oh, my goodness gracious. Player of the weekend. What did I say? Mitch Keller is who I'm going with. And it's been a... Uh, in, on, in the fantasy, fantasy Baseball Today newsletter on Friday, I wrote that Mitch Keller was one of two pitchers who had a lot to prove this weekend. Uh, Alec Manoa being the other one. And... Well, it was a bit of a mixed bag for Manoa. Keller, it was just bad. Uh, six earned runs in five innings for him against the Angels. He now has a 7.04 ERA in four July starts with 19 strikeouts in 23 innings of work. And the whiffs have just disappeared over the course of the month of July. His whiff rate is below 20% on all of his pitches so far. In May, when he was one of the best pitchers in baseball, his whiff rate was at least 20% on the four seam cutter and sweeper. So big drop offs there. The control has been a little iffy overall. It was actually not bad. And this one, the problem in this one was he got hit really hard, which is not what we're usually used to seeing from Mitch Keller. Overall, he still does a good job limiting hard contact, but because the strikeout rate has collapsed really since May, I mean, May is kind of the big outlier for him. I just, I don't think you can't start him. I don't think you should drop him, but the the ace outcome, I think, is off the board for Mitch Keller now. I, I did take a big positive from the start, and that's while he had, while the whiffs had been trending down for a long time, he had 15 of them in this start uh, behind the seven strikeouts. So the 15 swinging strikes, he had no more than 10. In, previous, in, in any of his previous eight starts. Yeah. So 15 was a big bounce back, and he changed up his pitch mix. He, he often changes up his pitch mix. He has so many pitches. Um, he threw, so seven of the 15 whiffs came on fastball, which he threw 32% of the time. Usually he only throws it 25% of the time. Most of his pitches, apart from the fastball, were up in velocity by mm-hmm. around one and a half miles per hour. So he was throwing harder. He was getting more whiffs. The big problem for Mitch Keller is he gave up three home runs. We're not going to see him give up three home runs very often. I mean, it's not a good thing that he allowed three home runs, but he's not going to allow three home runs start after start. So I, I take, I, I do take the whiffs as a positive sign that he um, he changed something. And while it didn't give the desired results in this start, I remain hopeful that he's going to get back on track. 
I'm not necessarily disputing the the idea that he's pro- that, that the ace outcome's probably off the table. It probably is. He's he's probably more Kyle Bradish than um, than Joe Musgrove. Let's say Joe Musgrove being another pitcher who has just a ton of pitches and you know can can vary his usage of them a lot from start to start. So I've I've used that Joe Musgrove comparison with Mitch Keller before. It it may be that he's more like Kyle Bradish in that while he has you know these seven inning two hit starts that we've seen even recently re- mm-hmm. you look at Keller's track record he recently had a seven hit a seven inning two hit outing a seven inning one hit outing um but then there was some terrible starts mixed in too that just kind of make the whole thing frustrating i agree that probably not a must start at this point his next start coming up is against the Phillies, a middle-of-the-road offense. So, you know, I, I just weigh what I had. Like, obviously, I'm not saying he's an automatic start. That's not a good enough matchup for that. But if I didn't have enough other pitchers I felt comfortable with, I wouldn't necessarily be afraid to run Keller out there, personally. Last couple points on Mitch Keller. Chris, you read off the numbers in July. It goes back even further than that. If you look at... The last 11 starts for Mitch Keller, a 551 mm-hmm. ERA. That's more than half of his season now at this point. 141 whip during that time as well. And the overall ERA has jumped up over four now. So, again, a lot of what you guys are saying, the ace outcome doesn't look like it's going to be on the table here for Mitch Keller. And, again, the matchup this week is the Phillies. You know, they're 10th in Woba against right-handed pitching. So, you know, they're solid, middle of the pack. Uh, I agree with what Scott said. You just kind of have to weigh what other pitchers you have on your team. Uh, but we're not dropping Mitch Keller. I know we've yeah. been receiving some questions about that, which mm-hmm. again, it's I think it's kind of fair, but we're not doing it. Not, we're for, not. for all the for all the trouble he's had recently, he entered the day as the 15th best starting pitcher in points leagues. Well, and so part that, of that, the that, that kind of gives like there are so many pitchers like this in the player mm-hmm. pool that are just kind of a random number generator from start to start, and and so the ones that stand out among them are the ones who can go seven innings when when they're yeah. on. Yeah, part of the problem also is just like there just really aren't any interesting waiver wire pitchers right now. It's yeah. kind of the, the last couple of weeks have really kind of dried up in that regard, at least in my view. Yeah, I think the top waiver wire pitcher I have later on is Josiah Gray. So it's not. Yeah, and really... even that start was not that great. Right. You know? Let's talk about a waiver wire hitter, Scott, your player of the weekend. So I'm going to talk about Tristan Casas, who had a huge game. On Saturday, homer twice. Those home runs were hit rounding up here, 108 miles per hour and 110 miles per hour. So that he he got him real good, mm. and uh, he is having a huge month of July overall. Uh, 348 with five home runs. After another two hit game Sunday, didn't have any home runs in that game, but another two hit game brought it up to 348 with five home runs in July. And really since April, Tristan Casas is batting 290. He's got an OPS over 900 during that stretch. It was a terrible first month and it, it's, it's kept his overall numbers down. Uh, but he has been exactly who we hoped he'd be since then. The one issue is that he very, rarely starts against left-handed pitchers. So that makes it hard to recommend him most weeks. If you play in a deep enough roto league where obviously you have that extra corner infield spot to fill, okay, you 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 can probably not worry about that so much. But if you play in anything shallower than that, you play in a standard head-to-head lineup, it, it's going to be hard to recommend Casas. But the longer this continues, the more you would expect the Red Sox to want to get him in the lineup. I'm looking at his numbers against left-handers. Again, very small sample. He's still reached base at a 375 clip against mm-hmm. them. The batting average is low. Those a lot of strikeouts, low. yeah. It's, it's 34% strikeout rate is the problem. But like, given the improvements that he's made over the past three months, I would love to see them give him another, him another chance to play against lefties to see if he can apply those improvements across the board. Because remember, in April, he wasn't hitting anything. You know, he had a, a 585 OPS and a 137 batting average. So I, I would like to see if he could get another chance. And that's not to say that he will. You know, that's that's it's important not to it's important not to wish cast on on these kinds of decisions. But I, I think mean, there's a chance it will. If they view him as a franchise player. Yeah. 
I'm not saying it'll be this year, but at some point they're going to have to just turn them loose against left-handers and and uh, let it ride. And, you know, more exposure to them is only going to improve his chances of becoming decent against them. It's, it's rare you find a left-handed hitter who's, like, really, really good against left-handed pitchers. Most of them just kind of hold their own. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so, you know, that's, that's, a, that's not a particularly high bar to clear if the Red Sox decide Casas has earned that opportunity. Yeah, and the 24 of his 56 plate appearances against lefties came in April when, again, he couldn't hit anybody. Yeah. So he hasn't been great against lefties since then, but he has a 740 OPS that's, since May That's 1st. what I mean by holding yeah. your own. Like you yeah, get that, a mid, that's, that, that's you what get a you're left-handed hitter with a mid-700s OPS against lefties. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's actually, perfectly fine. It actually reminds me a lot of Rafael Devers because when he first came up, he wasn't playing against lefties either, and he is just serviceable. I think if you look at his career, he's like a 750 OPS against lefties, mm-hmm. something like that. So that's fine. I, I, you know, if they, I agree. I think if they really want to, you know, kind of hand it off to uh, Tristan Casas, just let him become the everyday first baseman. Uh, that's what they should do. They should uh, let him play against lefties and, and see what he could do there. Scott, I am going to test your excitement for Tristan Casas because another player I know you really like, corner infielder, uh, very similarly rostered right now. Alex Kirilov, two more multi-hit games this weekend. He hit a home run on Friday in nine second-half games. Kirilov is batting 324 with four homers and an 1165 OPS. I do know he's one of your favorite sleeper hitters this week, but just in general, moving forward, who would you rather have, Kirilov or Tristan Casas? I'd rather have Casas, and I probably would have said that I'm, I'm sure I would have said that coming into the year too. He's a, I, I very much liked him as a prospect. Uh, as for what's going on currently, I'm, I'm looking now. Kirilov has started eight straight games for the Twins, but that has been a very recent change. He mm-hmm. was starting like two every three games for them until this this recent stretch where he's hit well. Also, and, and this is something I've been monitoring with Kirilov all year. Whenever he hits a home run. I check to see what the exit velocity is on that home run. And he has some of the weakest home runs, like 100 to 102 miles per hour. I, I, I don't know that there is there a home run log where you can check and, and see what the exit velocity is on all the home runs. Uh, I could look up something like that right now. Well, I don't know how if, if you can find it quickly to confirm this. I, I'm, I don't remember seeing one that was like well struck for a home run. Um, and, and yet, it, it's it's a curious thing because you, you see the data on the home runs for Kirilov and you go and look at what it looked like. And it, it looked like a solid home run. I was noticing this with Cody Bellinger too. He had a home run to straightaway center for the Cubs today. He's another one who we've been questioning the exit velocities for. And, um, it, you know, well struck, cl- cleared the center field fence with relative ease. It was hit less than 102 miles per hour though. And... I'm thinking, I don't know, something doesn't add up here for Kirilov or Bellinger. I know, you know, we see we see hitters who don't make particularly hard contact put up decent home run totals in spite of that, but they're usually dead pull hitters. That isn't the case with Bellinger, and that especially isn't the case with Kirilov. Most of Kirilov's home runs have been hit to the opposite field. So He's been as as much as I've liked Kirilov in the past, as much as I'm happy to see him doing well, he's been kind of head scratcher for me because the 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 quality of contact appears to be so poor. I know it's a very high line drive rate that's helping him out, keeping that batting average. It's up over 280 now, I guess. Uh, but but specifically with the power production, I, I I I have I have no expectations for what he's going to provide going forward because the data just doesn't make sense to me. So yeah, the the average exit velocity on Alex Kirilov's home runs entering today was 100.7 miles per hour. Just for some context, Alex Bregman and Isaac Paredes are right ahead of him. And those are, like you said, dead, dead pole. pole hitters. That's yeah. all they and, – and Marcus Simeon is right ahead of him. Uh, Adam Frazier is one of the few players with more home runs with a lower average exit velocity. But, yeah, it's, it's one of the lowest average exit velocities on home runs for any player with more than a few. So that that's not a great sign. Um, for Alex Kirilov, but I I don't know. Like it's it's I guess we can just do the Cody Bellinger thing at the same time. But it 
it's really tough, right? Because there are players who are outliers. There are players for whom the rules that apply to the general population don't necessarily apply to them. I, I, Cody Bellinger, one of the stats I looked up really earlier today, he has more home runs. He had more home runs entering today than he had barrels. Barrels are well-struck balls. It's a sort of vague term that they put together for baseball savant, but 91% of players over the past uh, five or since the start of the Statcast era who have at least 12 home runs in a season, 91% of them have had more home runs than barrels. The exceptions are like the top of the list. Alex Bregman had one, the one year where he had 41 home runs. I think he had 22 barrels that season. Oh, I think you said it backwards. 91% of players during the stack has year with at least 12 home runs have, have had more, more barrels, barrels than, home than, than home runs. Yes. Okay. The exceptions are Alex Bregman, Yoli Gurriel, kind of the same thing. A lot of left-handed batters at Yankee Stadium, as you would expect. That's not to say that Alex Kirilov and Cody Bellinger cannot be outliers. Outliers exist. There are dozens, maybe hundreds of them among Major League Baseball players in, in various skill sets. The thing for me with Cody Bellinger is I'm just, I'm comfortable continuing to be wrong on Cody Bellinger, I guess is the way I'm going to say it. If he's going to continue to outrun his expected stats the way he is, I'm going to continue doubting him. And if he keeps doing it, okay, I'm going to be wrong because you have to have a process when you're analyzing players. And if you feel comfortable with your process and your process is sound and you apply it consistently, you will be right more often than not. And sometimes you just have to live with being wrong. And that's the the thing that I'm feeling about Cody Ballinger is, I still believe, and I'll, I'll say the same thing about Alec Kirilov. I believe in the long run, both of those guys are probably not going to be near as good as they've been lately and over the course of this season for Cody Ballinger. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> you know, like it's one of those things where if yeah. the people in the comments and, and on Twitter want me to say something that I don't believe, okay, I can say it. Cody Ballinger is good. I don't believe that though. I, I think what he's doing is not sustainable. And if I'm wrong, at least I'm wrong because I'm being consistent with my process that I, I believe will lead me to good conclusions more often than not. Yeah, so just like ignoring the outliers and holding to the process that you yeah. believe works. I mean, you're, you're going to miss sometimes, but it's probably a higher success rate overall than trying to chase the exceptions, trying to figure them out. Right. But let's say just, you know, Rubber meets the road here. You do have Bellinger because he was free to pick up mm -hmm. at some point in your league or whatever. What's the minimum you would accept for him in a trade? I because I need somebody pretty high end. I I I would be happy to sell high on Bellinger, but at this point, it should be pretty darn high, uh, especially since he has first base eligibility. And if you look at his point per game production at first base, it is uh ba ba ba. Uh, I, it's got to be higher than like Goldschmidt at this point. Yeah, 3.75. Olsen's 3.87. Goldschmidt's 3.21. So Bellinger's like third among first basemen in, in points per game. Entering Sunday, Cody Bellinger was averaging 3.8 fantasy points per game. I guess that's rounding up. That is tied for two, four, six, eight, tenth. Tied for tenth among all hitters. Not just outfielders, all hitters in baseball. So you're right. I mean, he, he's crushing it. So you should you should want a legitimate player in return if you are trying to sell high on Cody Bellinger. What does that look like? Uh, a top 20 outfielder? A top 20 if, pitcher? If I could like get that? any top 20 outfielder, I, I would do it. Um, I, if I could get any top 75 overall player, I think I'd do it. You know, it it depends what that actually means. You know, it depends what you're looking for. But like... Objectively or objectively, like top 50 currently? They, Rest they, of season. Wanna... Okay, so. Like if I could turn him into Logan Webb as a starting pitcher, I would do that. Yeah, um, yeah that seems fine. Joe Somebody Ryan, who's been struggling lately, but I still believe in, I would do that. Yeah. About a week and a half ago, somebody said they traded Bellinger for Riley. The way Riley's performed since then probably, probably would not happen. But. It happened. I mean, look at the way Bellinger's performed since then, too. <laughs> I, if I could get Christian Walker for him, I would do that. I, I'd rather have Christian Walker the rest of the way. Um, yeah, I'm sure my rankings so, yeah. show that, too. 
I, yeah. I'd probably set the bar a little higher myself, but um, but ultimately I'd be willing to sell high if For, if I felt it was high enough. At the very least, what I would say is if you are listening to this and you do not have Cody Bellinger on your team, my advice would be do not try to trade for him right now. I, I think that is... I think you are much more likely to lose trading for Cody Bellinger than you are to regret not trading for him. And since Bellinger, we kind of backdoored this with Bellinger. Bellinger homered again Sunday, as I pointed out. It was his 14th of the year. For the month of July, he's batting 452 with seven home runs. Oof. Yeah, he's <laughs> been outrageous. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Um, and then I'm here off real quick because I said I, I, like, I have no expectations for home runs going forward. I'm just... I need to see it play out more because I can't make sense of what's going on with him. I'm fine with him as a hot hand play right now, but you know, for 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 redraft leagues, I don't I don't assign much more value to him than that either because I don't trust the playing time and still I don't trust the performance. All right, fair enough, Scott. You're kind of going uh, robotic here on us, lagging a little bit. So let's have you hop out, jump back in, and hopefully get everything kind of squared away there. Oh my goodness gracious, for me, I, I do want to bring up. Brewers outfield prospect Sal Freelich, who was promoted this weekend, and he had a great debut. He went three for three with a run and two RBI on Saturday. He had two hard hit balls. Nothing too crazy. 100.4 exit velocity, 98.5 exit velocity, uh, and then went one for three with a run scored on Sunday as well. And the Brewers moved Sal Freelich up to cleanup. He's batting fourth for the team in his second game. This is a 23-year-old former first-round pick back in 2021. Uh, was not hitting well in the minors this year. He's dealt with some injuries. Last year, he was much better. South Freelick, 331 batting average, 11 homers, 24 steals in the minors last season, 38% rostered. Chris, we'll start with you. Uh, what size leagues do you think we should be looking to add South Freelick in, if any? I think a lot of leagues. I would think most. Maybe not 10 team points leagues because it's that's a really narrow stretch, but... Yeah, I trust the, you know, even with him struggling this season, he's a 311 hitter with more walks than strikeouts at AAA. You know, he, he's not super young, but he's 23 this year. He's not super old either. The I guess the question would be, how impactful is the skill set for fantasy, right? Between AA and AAA, he's played 138 games. He has 11 home runs, 26 stolen bases. Those are pretty underwhelming numbers. It, it's sort of a Stephen Kwan with a little more umph yep. kind of profile. But yep. it's also Stephen Kwan-esque in terms of avoiding strikeouts. He's got 67 strikeouts in, oh gosh, 648 plate appearances, I believe. That's like an 11% strikeout rate. That's really, really good. It'll almost certainly go up at the major league level, but... You know, he's athletic enough where I think you could project some more stolen bases. He was a more prolific base stealer lower in the minors. So, yeah, I think there's there's room for a Stephen Kwan plus outcome here. Yeah, I, I think he, I think Sal Freelick, I've used this comparison before, is in the mold of, of Stephen Kwan, exactly. It's just a question of, is he going to be a worse version of Stephen Kwan, in which case he's going to be pretty fringy? Like he'll probably be a fine starter in the majors, but is he going to be a little worse than Stephen Kwan, making him fringy in fantasy, or is he going to be better than Stephen Kwan, which would make him pretty close to must start in fantasy? And that still needs to be sorted out based on the way he's gone in the minors since returning from this thumb surgery. I'm kind of a pessimist about South Freelick being of much use in the immediate term. Five outfielder leagues, of course, he needs to be added. Three outfielder leagues. I'm thinking, what's what's a fringy starting outfielder in a three outfielder league? Is it like a Marcelo Zuna or a Brian De La Cruz type? Because I'm mm -hmm. probably not dropping either of them for Sal Freelick. Yeah, I, I think that sounds about right. Maybe like a Lourdes Gurriel. I think he's probably in that range too. And I don't think I would do the, that either. So uh, the the quality of contact metrics are very Stephen Kwan esque. 84.7 mile per hour average exit velocity, 106.5 max. Stephen Kwan this season, 85.7 average, 105.2 max. Hard hit rate's a little higher, maybe a little more consistency in that regard. But yeah, I mean, I think I saw Stephen Kwan hit one like 370 feet today. And as I watched him, the ball come off the bat, I was like, ooh, he got all that one. And then it was like two rows <laughs> deep for his home run. So, was, you know, that's probably the, the upside here. But, you know, he, 
if he hit 315 the rest of the way, just got hot and stayed hot the rest of the season, it wouldn't surprise me. That's that's the kind of skill set you're talking about. All right, let's uh let's take our first break. And when we return, we will talk about Corey Seager, who was unfortunately placed on the IL. We need some replacements this upcoming week. We'll do that right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back into Fantasy Baseball Today. And a quick reminder to sign up for our Fantasy Baseball Today Facebook group. You can do so at facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today or just hop on Facebook, search up fantasy baseball today. You you can join the group and ask waiver wire questions, trade questions, dynasty keeper, interact with other listeners and people who watch the show as well. Uh, so again, join up fantasy baseball today Facebook group for free. Let's talk about Corey Seager, unfortunately placed on the IL this weekend with a sprained right thumb um, and he's hopeful that he won't miss more than two weeks, but obviously this is a huge loss for fantasy. He was batting 350 with 15 home runs in 66 games this season, averaging 4.2 fantasy points per game. Tied for fourth best among all hitters this season was Corey Seager. And how do we replace him this upcoming week? Three names that stood out. Scott, I know CJ Abrams is one of your sleeper hitters for this week, and he has had another big weekend, two for four, with a sock and a shoe on Friday for him, uh, then hit another home run on Saturday. It's been a monster July here for CJ Abrams. Tim Anderson down to 71% rostered and has been hitting well so far in the second half, batting 378 with two doubles and a stolen base. Uh, Orlando Arcia has homered in three of his last six games as well. Scott, how would you rank? Those three for this upcoming week, Abrams, Tim Anderson, and Orlando Arcia. Well, considering Abrams is the one in the sleeper hitters column, I'd have to put him number one for this week. Uh, I'll go Anderson two and Arcia three because I, I like the White Sox matchups a lot more than the Braves. The White Sox are one of four teams, just four teams, playing seven games this week. If you play in a really shallow league, I know he's up to 84 now, but he's out there in a couple of my leagues, Ha Sung Kim. He's been hot for a while now, too, and his, his numbers are looking pretty stellar overall. In fact, both I, I was noticing today for the season, both Kim and C.J. Abrams have um, more head-to-head points per game now than like Dansby Swanson. Mm. Interesting. Uh, Hassan Kim, by the way, yeah, in the, the season-long stat line, 267 batting average, 12 homers, 18 steals, 784 OPS. 359 on base percentage. He's been leading off for the Padres as well, uh, but that would have to be a pretty shallow league. I think you said yeah. 84% roster there for yeah. Hassan Kim. How second, are second and third in addition to shortstop? Kim is eligible. How are the Angels matchups this week? Angels matchups. They are facing just one lefty, but they are. Oh, you know what? I'm looking at the wrong week. Okay, so the White Sox don't have seven games this week. Um, but I would still say Tim Anderson over Orlando Arcia. Okay, so as for the Angels matchups, they're facing only one lefty. They're middle-of-the-road matchups. I, good or bad. I think Zach Neto's good. I, I just think he's a good hitter. Um, the results since coming back from the injury haven't been great. Um, but even overall, like a 760 OPS is playable you know the the pace is like 15 15 but i think there's room for improvement in both regards the quality of contact's pretty good i i kind of like zach netto as a uh as a middle infield replacement option the problem shortstop the problem with zach netto right now is uh he was scratched from the lineup saturday with a back injury and they hope that he can return on tuesday so 
That's worrisome for this week then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not not entirely sure that Neto is going to be good to go. If you are just looking for a middle infield replacement, doesn't have to be shortstop. Obviously, Edward Julian is someone we've talked about a lot recently. Wilmer Flores, also one of Scott's sleeper hitters this week. I think he's facing four lefties. and Four lefties now. It's gone up from, since Friday, yeah. Yep, and he's been hitting really well uh, in the month of July as well. Two other middle infielders, maybe for deeper league. Zach Geloff went two for three with his first career home run on Saturday. So far, just, he's hitting pretty I, well. Uh, 273, one homer, two seals. I wish they had six games with three at course this week instead of five with three at course. That's, hey, but three that's games, so frustrating. Three games in course. I mean, yeah. it's, that's, that's pretty tasty there for, uh, for Zach mm-hmm. Geloff. The other name I wanted to mention was Michael Massey. He had a big weekend. I just Imagine he just played all of his games in Yankee Stadium. That would be fantastic. <laughs> Wishful thinking. But yeah. uh, a double dong on Friday, hit another home run on Sunday. It's just he's so held back by playing in Kansas City. Yeah, I definitely prefer Flores to him. Yeah. Obviously, since he was in the column. All right, so that's Corey Seager. He's on the IL, and those are some replacements for this upcoming week. Let's quickly run through some other waiver wire hitters from this weekend. Two outfielders right around 70% rostered. Jaron Duran went one for three with a sock and a shoe. I think that was on Friday or Saturday. But his sixth home run, his 19th steal, Still not playing every single day. Don't know that he's playing against lefties, but he is hot right now. Jaron Duran is hitting the ball very well. TJ Friedel, back-to-back multi-hit games, uh, hit his seventh home run on Saturday as part of back-to-back-to-back home runs for the Reds uh, on Saturday, and he's hitting 289, seven home runs, 16 steals, only 70% rostered. I, I thought that was pretty interesting for TJ Friedel. Uh, Chris, who would you rather have, Friedel or Jaron Duran? <sighs> Man, so Friedel's one of those guys who, like, actually, I think does have a good explanation for why he's able to outperform his StatCast data because home park is great, uh, hits the ball to the pull side quite a bit, especially when he hits it into the air. He is fast. He makes a lot of contact. So, like, all those things add up to him being able to outperform his expected stats, which are worth noting just absolutely awful they're very mean to him the expected stats men uh i think i'd probably go with friedel but that might be a what does the matchup look what does the the upcoming week's matchups look like scott i thought it was an interesting weekend for those who play in two catcher leagues we did have some names kind of pop up here luis campusano back with the padres he went four for five with a home run on saturday has started three of the past five games for them uh how would you rank Campusano, Andy Rodriguez, recently called up by the Pirates, and uh, there was news Jose Trevino is out for the rest of the season, so Kyle Higashioka steps in here as the everyday catcher for the Yankees. Uh, I'd rank Andy Rodriguez number one. I think there's the most upside there. I think the playing time is going to be most consistent for him. And then the other two need to show me a whole lot before I consider them even in two catcher leagues, but I'll go Campusano two and... uh, (laughs) Hashioka, is that right, Kyle Hashioka? Higashioka. 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 Yeah. I, I tried to to correct you and said it wrong myself. There you go. Yeah, he's third. <laughs> One of the better John Sterling calls, by the way. Uh, getting higgy with it whenever <laughs> Higashioka hits a home run. Uh, yeah, look, they're they're not. I don't know that there's much trust in any of these players, but again, it's you know deeper two catcher leagues. I picked up Campusano this uh, this weekend and. And I dropped Shea Langoliers. He he plays every day, but he's just not very good. So I'd rather just, I guess, take an upside shot there on Luis Campusano. Waiver wire pitchers we mentioned earlier. There's not much going on from this weekend. So let's kind of just run through these names. Part one, we do have Josiah Gray had a strong start up against the Giants. Seven innings, one run, four strikeouts with 13 swinging strikes. Uh, did change up his pitch mix, something he's been doing a lot this season, kind of tinkering a lot, but uh, completely ditched his four-seam fastball through more curves, cutters, change-ups, and seems like that would be a smart move for Josiah Gray. Seth Lugo turned in a quality start at the Tigers. Six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts for him. Uh, Clark Schmidt has allowed three earned runs or fewer in 11 straight starts, and during that time, he has a 3.02 ERA and a 1.11 whip. Chris, how would you rank that group? Uh, Josiah Gray, Seth Lugo, and Clark Schmidt. Uh, I was trying to figure out if I wanted to like feign snoring uh, as my (laughs) answer, but that felt rude. Um, I think Seth Lugo is 
the best of this group. I, I don't think any of these guys are particularly likely to give you seven innings in any given start. I know Josiah Gray did that in his most recent, but I just, I find him underwhelming. I find him interesting, uh, but I'm not sure he's figured it out yet. I, I give him a lot of credit for all the tinkering that he's done this season. I think he he is on the verge potentially of figuring it out, but I, I've made this comp a few times. It feels like where Mitch Keller was a year ago. Where he is started saying now, yeah, Mitch Keller has <laughs> turned himself. M- Mitch Keller is one of the best tinkering success stories in baseball. I yeah. would say he he deserves a lot of credit for the work he's put in to make himself a good pitcher. Maybe not an ace, and I, I think Josiah Gray could be a good pitcher, but yeah. he's still figuring out what the mix, what the right mix is, and. You know, like this was a good start. It was also four strikeouts and three walks. So it wasn't exactly a great start. I think Lugo on a per inning basis is going to be good. It's just you're hoping for six innings in any given start, and that's the absolute max. But hey, three Clark, out of four, he's done it. Clark Schmidt's done it twice in his last 11 starts. Yeah. So I feel better about Seth Lugo. I think you're going to get a strikeout per inning or more. I, I think he's a good pitcher. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that order. And the reasoning for Schmidt being third is just like, even though he's pitched better, gotten better results that they, the starts have been so short by and large. And it's not like there've been a lot of strikeouts there. Yeah. Four Oh nine five about the upside in this 11 start stretches. So I, I, I'm kind of trying to figure out exactly how I want to approach starting pitcher going forward, kind of already thinking about my plan for next year. And I don't want to get out on the weeds because I know it's a weekend show. We got a lot of ground to cover, but I'm thinking of the pitching position right now as there being maybe like 15 to 20 pitchers who you can think of as high end, who have the strikeouts, who, who, who do, who do things, who do something so exceptionally well that you can really trust them as trust in them as like foundations for your pitching staff. Mm -hmm. And then there's probably like five dozen pitchers after that who are just part of the glob I was referring to mm-hmm. on Friday's show with Chris Welsh, where it's going to be kind of a random g- number generator, what they give you from start to start. You just want to prioritize the ones who in their good starts can go six and seven innings as uh, both Seth Lugo and Josiah Gray have shown that they can. And, uh, you know, hopefully give you about a strikeout per inning when they're on too. Well, if you thought that first group was underwhelming, <laughs> you're not going to like this one very much. Brady Singer struck out a season high nine at the Yankees this weekend. He has pitched better recently. His last five starts, a 366 ERA and a 125 whip. Brandon Fott pitched well in his return to the Diamondbacks rotation. He was at the Reds where he allowed three runs over six innings. He had six strikeouts with 15 swinging strikes. Still allowed some hard contact, back-to-back-to-back home runs. Uh, Obviously, all three being solo shots there. Velocity up a little bit. I I thought it was kind of an interesting start for Brandon Fott. And uh, Jamison Tyone has turned in three solid starts in a row. He went five and two-thirds, one run allowed, with six strikeouts. It's got any interest in this group here. Tyone, Brandon Fott, and Brady Singer. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's bad. Uh, I'm not looking to pick any of them up. Fott did do some interesting things. He still gave up three home runs, so it's not like, ah, oh, he's cured and I'm I'm rushing to pick him up. But he did he did what we wanted to see him do in terms of uh dr- decreasing his fastball usage. It had been about 50%, it was down to 37% in this one. And his changeup and sweeper, which he obviously threw more since he threw the fastball less, combined for 11 whiffs, 11 of the 15 whiffs. So if you can lean into those off-speed pitches more, throw the fastball less, it should lead to better results for Fott. But again, let's see him not allow three home runs in a start yeah, before we conclude that. I believe all three were off fastballs. I think two were off the four seam, one was off the sinker. He threw the sinker more in this one. And you know, it might just be that like, he throws the sinker 35% against right-handed pit, right-handed batters and throws the four-seamer 40% against lefties, and that's it, and that's all he throws, and then just tries to get, because his fa- fastballs so far have just been world historically terrible. Uh, it's, I think the, the slugging percentage on his, fast, his four-seam fastball is like 
800 or something. Like it's just been a, a disaster pitch for him. And until he figures out like th- there was some talk that he had like moved to a different side of the rubber while he was in the minors. I didn't see that in, uh, in today's start, but I wasn't, I was looking at like the release charts and I don't know if they account for what part of the rubber you release on, but he's trying to figure it out and there's clearly talent here. It's just, yeah, a seven ten slugging percentage on the four seam fastball on 76 plate appearances is really, really bad. It's actually nine forty one against the changeup and 1250 against the sinker. So here, Curve, how's this curveball and sweeper have been good so far, though? How's this for bringing things full circle? If Josiah Gray is where Mitch Keller was last year, is Brandon Fox yes. where yeah. Josiah Gray was last year? Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good uh, comp and and boom, you know, like that's let's see how they they tinker. You know, this is this is always most pitchers don't figure it out right away. And uh, there's clearly, look, I don't want to give up on him. There's clearly talent. You see it in the K minus walk percentage at the minor league level. But like we probably overhyped a guy with like a 1.8 home runs allowed per nine at at triple eight last year. Like we probably overlooked that aspect of his game a little bit too much. Three names in deeper leagues. I'll quickly mention Johnny Cueto made his first Marlin start on Saturday. Pitched very well. It was against the Rockies on the road. Six innings, one run, eight strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes on 81 <laughs> pitches, 14 of those on the fastball. It's okay. What is this? Uh, 2007 again. Johnny Cueto, like he was awesome in this start. Uh, Brandon Williamson has turned in back to back quality starts. And over his last six starts, he has a 367 ERA and a 107 whip. Alex Fajardo pitched very well in his return to the Tigers. Six shutout innings, one hit, four walks to two strikeouts up against the Padres. Chris, anything with this uh, deep league group, Fajardo, Williamson, and Cueto? Johnny Cueto's not that old. Just, just I just want to be clear. I was trying to think of a he year. He wasn't pitching in the majors by 2007. That, that, that uh, sounded yes. a little off to me. I thought yeah. you were being a little uncharitable. It's more like 2010, 2011. Uh, yeah, close Johnny enough. Johnny Cueto. Uh, he debuted. Wait, 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 wait. He did. He did. You know, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I think Johnny Cueto, uh, Brady Singer and Clark Schmidt, all three of them, you can pretty much just chalk up to. They had great matchups and hey, they took advantage of them. The the only thing I will say with Cueto is, I, I mean, he had like 34 earned runs and 29 innings or something during his various minor league rehab assignments. And the Marlins weren't even planning on putting him in the rotation. When they called him back up, they made it clear he was going to pitch out of the bullpen, and then their, you know, pets' heads are falling off, and and whatever the rest of that quote is, and uh, they had to put him in the rotation. His velocity's up about one point two miles per hour from last year, so that's something. I don't think it's anything for us to worry about, but maybe the Marlins' season isn't going totally in the toilet. Maybe Johnny Cueto can turn it around. I'm not doing well, guys. Hey. 2007 Johnny Cueto is here to save the day, Chris. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, deeper leagues again. He does face the Tigers this week. Uh, <laughs> when we get to stream or not to stream later on this week, I, I have a feeling Johnny Cueto might be on that list. Let's uh, take our final break. And when we return, we'll hit some news and notes. I've got uh, pitchers you might want to drop. We'll do all of that right after this. Welcome back. Let's get into the news and notes from the weekend. Aaron Judge took live batting practice Sunday. He fouled off a few pitches, did not appear to be favoring his toe at all which is good news. Aaron Boone said that Judge will likely take more simulated at-bats in live batting practice in the coming days, but remains without a clear target date to return. Adolis Garcia exited Saturday after getting hit by a pitch on his hand. X-rays came back negative, and he was out of the lineup on Sunday. Scott, what do you think we should do with Adolis Garcia this week? I think you should start him. The yeah. X-rays are negative. I think he'll be back soon. All right. Mike Trout had the stitches removed from his surgically repaired left hand. He's been out since July 5th with a fractured hamate bone. Nathan Ovaldi's scheduled start Monday will be skipped by the Rangers and manager Bruce Bochy cited Ovaldi's velocity being down as the reason for extra rest. And I was pretty scared about uh, that most recent start last week when we talked about uh, velocity was down like two to three miles per hour on everything. So it remains. One thing we didn't mention in that conversation about selling high on Nathan Evaldi, he was the at the time we were having that conversation, he was the number one starting pitcher in points leagues, number one overall. 
Uh, he's now fourth because other pitchers have started and passed him. But like that's that that sh- that shapes the sell high conversation on him in a different way. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, again, I did just want to point out last 11 starts since that 12 strikeout uh, almost complete game. His FIP is 426. His ERA is 269. But the strikeouts have really gone away over the past like two months at this point. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little scary overall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I, it remains, I, I think, a good idea to try and sell high on Avaldi if you can. Brandon Woodruff threw three scoreless innings in his first rehab start at high A on Saturday. The hope is for Woodruff to return in August. Max Freed will likely make one more rehab start before rejoining the Braves rotation. Bryce Harper made his first start at first base on Friday. He is batting 290 with four home runs and six steals. Uh, Chris, just off the top of your head, if Bryce Harper gains first base eligibility, where do you think he would slot into your first base ranks? I'm going to say fifth. So, oh, that, you're putting him at somebody significant then. Alonzo, you know, we, we talked, Frank and I talked about Alonzo last week and just the, the way he's played since the, the wrist inju- injury. I, I do think I would put him ahead of Alonzo rest of season. All right. I'd, I'd put him sixth. I mean, yeah, you got, you got to account for the way Harper's played since the elbow sure. injury. <laughs> uh, JD Martinez won't be in the lineup Monday due to tightness in his left hamstring. Would you guys play it safe and bench JD Martinez this week? Uh, yeah, hamstrings, hamstrings are tricky. It, it depends what your alternatives are, but I'd rather not start him. Yeah, hamstrings especially tricky with 36-year-olds, yeah. Right. Lars Newbar was removed Sunday due to right heel soreness. He is day-to-day. The Cardinals play on Monday, so we should learn more by then. Glaber Torres left Sunday's game due to hip tightness. The Yankees are off Monday, so... We likely won't know for sure until Tuesday with Glaber Torres. Trevor Story will move to AAA to continue his rehab assignment this week, and he is 61% rostered. Uh, so if you do need a middle infielder, some power, some speed potential there, uh, now is the time to add Trevor Story and just kind of sit on that and, and wait for Maybe him Maybe he'll return. make it back before Corey Seager. You ever think of that? That seems like a very huh? real possibility, Scott. I, I do think so. There's uh, your replacement. <laughs> could work out. Michael Waka has resumed playing catch, but Padres manager Bob Melvin said Waka is unlikely to return before the end of July. Very eventful weekend for the Marlins bullpen. Manager Skip Schumacher said uh, gave A.J. Puck a vote of confidence as the team's closer on Friday. Puck then pitched the eighth inning on Saturday with a game tied. Tanner Scott... Uh, pitched the ninth inning, uh, gave up a run, took the loss in that game. And then on Sunday, A.J. Puck blew another one-run save. Chris, where do you think this is going here, uh, A.J. Puck versus Tanner Scott? I put a few speculative claims on Tanner Scott. Um, things are getting pretty dire for the Marlins. They just snapped an eight-game losing streak. Uh, and I don't know how how much rope they're going to give A.J. Puck at this point. It's been like three bad outings. It's been like four bad outings all season, basically. He's been really good overall. But yeah, the overall numbers now after a bad couple of weeks are are pretty ugly. So I, I think Tanner Scott's going to get a chance. Jorge Polanco will get reps at third base during his rehab assignment. It appears the Twins want yeah. to keep Edouard Julian around even after Polanco returns, which makes sense given how well Julian has played. Jazz Chisholm is doing plyometric work, but has not started hitting as of Friday. He's been out since early June with a left oblique strain. Chris Bryant exited Saturday after getting hit by a pitch on his finger. X-rays came back negative, uh, but he was held out of the lineup on Sunday. Andrew Vaughn has missed five straight with a bone bruise in his left foot. The White Sox are hopeful he'll be able to return Tuesday against the Cubs. One thing related to that that I saw is Jake Berger might play second base when uh, Yohan Moncada comes back. So that's kind of interesting. He, I know Berger has slowed down, but you know, well, we'll that hasn't slowed down. We'll always in. take, you know, he can still hit the ball far. We'll always take middle infielders. It still produces exit velocities that break the radar gun. It's just, you know, 
He's made yeah. a lot of outs recently. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, lots of strikeouts, but uh, lots of power there with Jake Berger. Hyunjin Ryu is scheduled to throw a bullpen on Monday or Tuesday, and if all goes well, he will rejoin the Blue Jays' rotation in four rehab starts. Ryu has a 2.0 ERA and a .78 whip, almost a strikeout per inning. He's 19% rostered. Perhaps a name you could look at in deeper leagues. Mason Miller completed a flat ground session on Saturday. He only threw fastballs, but it is an encouraging step in uh, his return from a right UCL sprain. CJ Crone has missed two straight with lower back stiffness. He missed more than a month earlier this season with back spasms, so not great there. Some trade rumors that are out there. Real, real quick on Ryu, I did make a point to, to, to try and add him in any league where I had a free IL spot, which... Surprisingly, I had a few. I don't have high hopes for Hyunjin Ryu, but you know, you could stash him for the lineup lock and then see how he performs and make a decision later. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Some trade rumors from John Morosi of MLB Network. He reported the Giants have expressed interest in Justin Verlander. Will the Mets actually sell? Uh, I'm not so sure, but we'll find out over the next week or so. John Morosi also reported that the D-backs have inquired about Lucas Giolito. Uh, so did the Dodgers. So, you know, potential NL West competition there trying to trade for Lucas Giolito. Players who went to the IL this weekend, Gabriel Moreno with left shoulder inflammation, Taylor Walls with a left oblique strain, Jose Trevino will miss the remainder of the season with a torn ligament in his right wrist. Last but not least, congrats to Scott Rowland and Fred McGriff on being inducted into the Hall of Fame on Sunday. The drop meter we got about 10, 15 minutes left here. How much can we get through? Uh, the first name up, I've got five pitchers here. Braxton Garrett, rough July for Braxton Garrett, 785 ERA, a 147 whip. The strikeout to walk rate still great during that time, but lots of hard contact, lots of home runs. Chris, 83% rostered is Braxton Garrett. Where is he on the drop meter Eight. I think he's very droppable right now. So you'd be okay dropping him for Seth Lugo and playing Lugo against the Pirates this week? Yeah, I'd rather use Lugo right now. All right. Rangers. Probably not sure about anyone else that we've talked about on the yeah. waiver wire right now, but I'm, I'm not starting him right now. So, you know, if you can't start someone, you might be able to drop him. Ranger Suarez also having a rough July. Four starts with a 614 ERA, a 186 whip. The walks have really kind of crept up here on Ranger Suarez. He is down to 70% rostered. Scott, uh, where are you at? Drop a meter on Ranger Suarez. You are muted, sir. Oh, not me. <laughs> a little lower on the drop meter than Braxton Garrett. I'll put, I'll put Suarez at a seven because, you know, he at least gives you volume. Uh, Garrett, you know, my, even when he was going well, my gripe with him was, you know, he never goes six innings. Yeah, he kind of needs like a best case scenario to go six innings. And then he had back-to-back starts where he went, I think, six and seven innings. And it's like, okay, I'm totally on board with Braxton Garrett. And, and basically, it's been all downhill since <laughs> yeah. then. There seemed, to be once. there seemed to be some like mechanical issues with Braxton Garrett that if they can fix, you know, I, I still believe he can be good like we saw, but he hasn't shown the that he has fixed them yet. But they're not magical. If you thought they were going to save your your pitching staff in June, you were wrong. They are who we thought they were before three, June. Three, <laughs> three pitchers rostered in less than 75% of leagues. Would you drop Garrett or Ranger Suarez for Kenta Maeda, Grayson Rodriguez, yes. Logan yep. Allen? Yes. Uh, yes. Any of those three. All three. All right. Look, Allen's right. the lowest priority but I, I do like the two matchups he has this week. Might drop the next guy for any of those three, frankly. I, I am yep. completely on board. I'm, I'm done. I'm absolutely done. Lance Lynn blasted again this weekend. He gave up nine runs, six of those earned, four more homers allowed. He has allowed a league-leading 28 home runs this season. Man, that's... They, they 618 ERA. That's, that's a lot. lot for a full season. I've, I've been the, the most consistent... Leon board with Lance Lynn throughout these struggles. I, I'm out too. I, I, I can't even explain why this was the moment. Just when you, you know, when you know, right? Like I saw this line and I'm like, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> he allowed four home runs to the twins. Yeah. Only yeah. six pitchers allowed more home runs all of last season than Lance oh. Lynn's 28. That is, and y- you know what this means, right? 198 ERA the rest of the way. Yeah, next <laughs> next start especially. 12 strikeouts, 7 shutout innings. There's no question. But yeah, like he's had a start of 
what, seven innings and 16 strikeouts and another start of seven innings and 11 strikeouts. And he still has a 5-0-2 ERA during the span, that the, the six-start span that those two starts includes. Yikes. That's just awful. It's very bad. So Lance Lynn can go for Maeda, G-Rod, and Logan Allen as well. Mm-hmm. All right. Tony Gonsolin has a lot. Uh, sky, sky. I might hesitate on Allen. Okay. Uh, I would make the swap if I needed Allen in my lineup for the two starts, but if it was just to stash him on the bench, I'm not sure I'd buy the upside of Allen enough. But I like I don't really care either. If you want to swap out Lynn Firm at this point, that's fine too. Tony Gonsolin has allowed four plus earned runs in five of his last six starts, and during that stretch, a 6.97 ERA with a 1.29 WHIP. Lots of walks, lots of hard contact during that time. Scott, the dropout meter on Tony Gonsolin, he's still 92% rostered. Yeah, so it's it's lower than the first three, but it's not zero. Uh, he's, I mean, he's he's kind of had the same problem that I had with Braxton Garrett, where even when he pitches well, it's just not a lot of volume. So I'm gonna put it. I'll put it at like a five. Gonsolin on the drop a meter. Last name. Shallow on, leagues, I can think about it. Last name on the I'd, list. I'd take Grayson Rodriguez over him. Yes, agreed with that. Uh, Emmett Sheehan got rocked at the Rangers this weekend. He gave up eight runs and all of a sudden a 675 ERA, a 147 whip. Chris, drop a meter on Emmett Sheehan. Nine. Oh, ten, yeah. Ten, I mean, I'm like, going ten. We've got a really good track record at double A, but yeah, he's he's not ready right now. Uh, you know what we should make for this segment? You guys should get like the slam dunk contest. <laughs> numbers and like hold them up a 10 and we're dropping yeah. that player yeah something like that i like it I we'll like do it. it let's get some props moving forward uh other talented pitchers that are getting knocked around we spoke about mitch keller and his struggles uh two other names joe ryan still racking up the strikeouts but over his last five starts he has a 7-3-0 era and a 158 whip lots of home runs allowed during that time for joe ryan and shohei otani we know what he's doing as a hitter. It's been amazing. He still has a ton of strikeouts this year, but uh, over his last three starts, Otani a 7.71 ERA, a 1.59 WHIP. Scott, any actual concerns here with uh, Joe Ryan or Otani the pitcher? I, I'm not concerns that I feel like you can act on. I mean, this is just kind of where we're at at, at starting pitcher. You even from your good pitchers, you have to accept stretches where they. They're just killing you. And, um, you know, Joe Ryan, we were concerned about the, the concern with Joe Ryan is that he allows so many fly balls. And mm-hmm. so will he have a five start stretch where he allows 11 home runs? Yeah, that's going to happen from time to time. He allowed eight home runs all season up until this five start stretch. And I imagine I imagine he'll come out of it. Otani, his struggles coincide with him leaving that start with the blister issue and mm-hmm. just I'm I imagine that's still affecting him. Will they have to skip him at some point so he can get past it? It might help. I don't know that they actually will. Uh, but he gives you so many strikeouts that I think you just kind of suffer through it. If you're not starting him as a hitter, obviously. Some other leftovers from the weekend. We'll take a look at some hitters first. New half, new Austin Riley. Six home <laughs> runs over his last six games. He homered in five straight before that streak was snapped on Sunday. So great start. New by low window. <laughs> Let's go. Austin Riley. Uh, massive weekend for Freddie Freeman. He had eight hits, three homers, including a double dong on Saturday Every weekend's a massive weekend for Freddie Freeman at this point. <laughs> sure is. Uh, Vlad Jr. picking up the power pace since the home run derby. He has homered in three of his past four games. Uh, yeah. Anthony Rizzo, he's off the schneid. Four for four with his 12th home run of the season. His- Just needed to change his walk-up song to Taylor Swift. That was all he needed. Is that what he did, really? That, that, was, that was the change today. That was his first home run since May 20th. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Man, yeah, remember how good he was for the first like month and a half of the season? Like he was hitting for average, he was hitting for power. Yeah. It was like, oh, the shift. It fixed Anthony Rizzo getting rid of the shift. And then not so much. Not so much. Uh, not, not only did he, has he not homered since uh since May 20th, but his batting average during that stretch was in the 180s, 182. Oof. Probably hasn't been the Yankees' worst hitter in that stretch. I know, yeah. I mean, they have, what, like Jake Bowers playing regularly and stuff like that. Um, 
I know Rizzo had a collision with F- Fernando Tatis back in May where he kind of yeah, hurt his neck. Yeah, he was dealing with a back issue, right? Yeah, I, I felt like he just has not been the same. He hasn't blamed it on that, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's you can. lingering. Um, <laughs> yes. Henry Davis went three for four with a double dong on Friday. Both home runs coming off Shohei Otani, so pretty impressive stuff there for the Pirates rookie. First. First ever player to homer twice in a game off Shohei Otani. Nice. Henry Davis. Uh, he's up to 79% rostered, so I didn't include it. Needs to be higher. Included yeah, in I mean, how, how high should he be in the, the catcher rankings right now? Should I, he be ahead of Dalton Varsho? I, yeah, I have a top I, I, he's, he's got He's got the Dalton Varsho thing where it's like, oh, he's he's playing every day. Dalton his, Varsho's actually his, been sitting a decent amount. His actual stats are almost identical. Identical to his expected stats. Mm-hmm. Like one of them is one point off and the other is dead on. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, and obviously, you know, his overall stats are good and he's playing every day as someone who's catcher eligible and he's walked more than he struck out in July. Yep. Yeah, I think he's the number good. six catcher right now. Yeah, I have him in Varsho back to back, but, you know, there's an argument for it. I've got Varsho down to nine and, and Henry Davis at 10. Uh, Juan Soto. Two for three with a double dong on Friday. Both home runs combined for 910 feet. <laughs> Crazy stuff for him. Big weekend for Lane Thomas, who hit a home run on Friday. Then he had four steals on Sunday. He's now up to 16 home runs and 12 steals on the season. Kyle Tucker had a triple dong on Friday. He added a stolen base on Sunday as well. All of a sudden, he's up to 17 home runs and seven steals. Uh, 17 steals, excuse me. And Corbin Carroll has now homered in three of the past four games. He is closing in on a 2030 season, and it's not even August yet. So I'm relieved about that for Carroll, too. I was watching the production when he had that pair of exits for the shoulder issue, and it, it, was, it wasn't looking good in the first couple weeks after that. I wondered if something was still going on in there. But um, I, I feel like those concerns have been relieved with three homers in four games. Some quick pitching leftovers. Uh, we did have ourselves a bit of a pitching duel this weekend. It's time to do, 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 duel. Zach Wheeler and Tanner Bybee, they were both awesome. Uh, Wheeler at Cleveland, seven innings, one run, eight strikeouts with 17 swinging strikes. And uh, Tanner Bybee, seven shutout innings, eight strikeouts, 22 swinging strikes for Bybee in this one. Uh, did throw his four-seam fastball a bit less, threw some more curveballs. And over his last five starts, Tanner Bybee, 121 ERA, a .98 whip over a strikeout per inning, uh, getting more ground balls, 14% swinging strike rate. Uh, he's he's like really, really good during that stretch. Scott, anything to add on uh, Tanner Bybee and Zach Wheeler? No, I mean, it was... Bybee looks like he's starting to put it all together, and that's very exciting, given his upside. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one other pitching standout I wanted to mention, Jesus Lazardo set a career high with 13 strikeouts on Sunday. Seven innings, one run, 13 strikeouts, 26 swinging strikes on a career high 115 pitches. I don't love that aspect of it. I kind of wish, you know, the Marlins would you know, dial it down a little bit. Let's let's not push Lazardo to 115 pitches, but it was an amazing start. Is him. he already at his career high in innings? I believe so. Based yeah. on that article I wrote last week, I knew he was very close. So the seven inning start, I'm going to guess, put him past. Yeah, yeah, because his career high was 124 before this. Yeah. So uh, somebody you have to worry about down the stretch, and as well as he's pitching right now, it it might be time to start shopping Jesus Lazardo. You don't want to, you know, you don't want to low ball. You want to accept a low ball offer or anything. You don't want somebody to. Uh, Say, well, I'm a little worried about his innings, so I'll give you that. Like, if if you're if you're trading to somebody else who's worried about your, his innings, then don't bother. Like, you're, you're trying to you're trying to slip that by somebody and just, hey, look at how great he's been recently. <laughs> he he's has been, been. Great. yeah. Lazardo yeah. has been great recently. Something to watch moving forward. We were talking about this beforehand. Kevin Gosman uh, made his mm-hmm. first start since dealing with some left side discomfort, and he allowed four home runs uh, at the Seattle Mariners. His velocity was down. Also changed the pitch mix, was throwing more sweepers in this one. Uh, Chris, I, know, I mean, he never throws sweepers. He, yeah. he had thrown, I think, two of them all season, which might have just been misclassified sliders. So this was kind of the first time he's thrown the sweeper. I don't think he got any whiffs with it. Um, it I don't know if it looked particularly good, but, you know, it's... I would assume that was just a, hey, I'm not feeling super great right now. I'm not... I don't have the velocity I usually do. 
Uh, I'm not too worried about that just because remember his velocity was down early on in the season. He was still pretty good. So I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I don't, it's not a situation where I think it's like, Oh, he can't be effective, but all other things being equal, I'd rather him be throwing, be throwing 94 instead of 92. Yeah. And, and, and this is just an one star blip, right? He had yeah. a similar blip on April 6th, a similar blip on May 4th. And he bounced back with his mm-hmm. usual velocity right afterwards. So I, yeah, I wouldn't panic over the velocity for Gosman right now. Certainly wouldn't be sitting him. Some of the bullpen updates from the weekend for the Cubs. Adbert Alzali picked up two saves. He's now up to nine total, 36% rostered. For the Nationals, Kyle Finnegan picked up his 13th save on Friday and is also just 37% rostered. For the Yankees, Clay Holmes picked up two saves this weekend. He certainly looks like the go-to guy once again. For the Rockies, uh, Justin Lawrence picked up his seventh save on Saturday. Trevor May for the Oakland A's picked up his ninth save on Saturday. Scott, how would you rank uh, those four names, all widely available, Adbert Alzali, Kyle Finnegan, Justin Lawrence, and Trevor May? I'll go Alzali, Lawrence, Finnegan, May. And that's mostly a reflection of how confident I am in them remaining the go-to source for saves for their respective teams. I'm a little less confident with Alzali, even though I put him number one, but I, I think he's just a really good pitcher on top of it. Can I can I do one quick one before we move on? Yep. I know we have to finish. Alec Manoa. Uh, we haven't talked about him today. He was decent in this one. Three earned runs and five and a third. Almost got the quality start. The control was not there. Four walks. But we now have two of three starts since coming back. The first one, control was great. This one, the slider was excellent. He had 10 whiffs, I think, on 12 swings with the slider, which is a massive number. It wasn't quite where it's been in the past. If you look at the movement profile, it didn't have as much lateral movement as it did in 2020 and 2021, but, or 2021 and 2022, I guess. But it was the best we've seen this season. And and now that's like, he's put two of the pieces together in two of his three starts. Now it's, can he put it all together at some point? I, I remain skeptical, but hopeful, I guess, would be the right way to put it. Chris, would you bench Manoa this week? He's facing the Angels. I don't feel good about it. I Bench implies that I already had him in my starting lineup, and I wouldn't have, uh, so I would keep him benched. Fair enough. A few other bullpen updates for the Tigers. Alex Lang picked up his 17th save on Sunday, and for the White Sox, Kendall Graveman entered the ninth inning with a three-run lead on Sunday. He gave up exactly three runs on a walk and three hits. Took his fourth blown save. The White Sox would would eventually lose in extras. And uh, I do wonder what their bullpen would will look like after the trade deadline. I feel like Graveman could be gone. Maybe they trade Liam Hendricks too. So uh, we shall see with the White Sox. Let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream. And on Monday, we actually have a good amount of, I would say, interesting names here on Monday. Kenta Maeda versus the Mariners. Logan mm-hmm. Allen versus the Royals. Christopher Sanchez versus the Orioles, maybe? Nah. Yeah, if it was at Baltimore, maybe, but not not in Philly. Um, I'd be more likely to do Dean Kramer at Philly, just hoping for the good end of the random number generator. Yeah, I I think Allen and Maeda are are the clear standouts here, though. Yep. And then on Tuesday, we have Griffin Canning at the Tigers. Edward Cabrera at Tampa Bay, they are not hitting right now. Yeah, they've been dreadful for a while. I saw this stat. They're... 4-14 Four and fourteen in July, which is an, tied for the worst record in baseball. Tampa Bay Rays, crazy. Yeah, no, I, I think Edward Cabrera is past the point of streaming personally, given the growth he showed before going on the IL. Um, so yeah, I, I think you add him. So Griffin Canning, Edward Cabrera, uh, Kyle Hendricks at the White Sox, maybe. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. All right, we're gonna wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thanks as always for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye.